consistent word we've been getting from the Lord for 2019 is fresh. God is doing something fresh at Vineyard Northwest. Fresh vision. People are coming from all over the region to be refreshed. A fresh look at our ministries and facilities, fresh fire in God's increased presence, and a time to refresh some important ministry resources. Hey everyone, exciting news. We're starting a four-week giving campaign starts now and ends May 19th, and it's called the Fresh Campaign. In the last few years, God's been doing a lot of exciting stuff here at Vineyard Northwest. Uh, we've just seen the Holy Spirit moving in power. A prophetic ministry is opening up in a really healthy way. And we've been seeing our influence, not only in our local community, but in the city and the region increasing. So with the Fresh Campaign, we have a dual focus upgrading our Sunday morning live stream and combating heroin in Cincinnati. Stay tuned. So the only thing I did wrong when I made that video was say, starting now, because it didn't start just now, okay? We started the Fresh campaign a couple weeks ago. Um, on uh, April 28th, actually, and it's a four-week deal where we're just really pressing and uh, getting our hearts ready for next week when we're trying to raise a $300,000 offering in one day. So it's going to happen. I think we're going to get more than that. But how that'll work next week with uh, the Fresh campaign culminating is we'll, ha we'll, take a we'll take the Fresh offerings kind of in the middle of the service, and then we'll do baptisms after that. And by the time baptisms end, we'll be able to come announce to you guys how much we got each service. And then uh, we'll be no announcing on social media throughout the day and stuff, the total number. So, But just to kind of bring you up to speed and bring you into the heart of why we're doing this, there's three things that God put on our heart for the Fresh Campaign. First, updating our media. Second, refreshing our church. And third, renewing our city. Updating our media, we really believe that um, there's kind of something stirring here, and, and we, we've seen the evidence of people coming here to get refreshed, and there being things produced and done here that we just honestly want to get out to others in a really appealing and professional way. So that's why we're updating our media. We've had almost 200,000 um, Facebook Live views or Facebook Live, yeah, Facebook Live views in the past several years. So if you could see, who, who's ever watched our Facebook Live stream before? All right, I'm, God bless you all. That is incredible. You have the gift of mercy in those moments. Um, and if you're on the live stream right now, Jesus loves you. Um, so that's updating our media. Second is uh, refreshing our church. And when we built this building in 2004, we based the color palette off of Panera Bread, which was brilliant then because Panera was new to Coleraine. People loved it. And um, they had just spent, you know, millions of dollars probably setting in interior design. And we were like, we're just going to piggyback on that. And people loved it. Well, Panera Bread has rebranded twice since 2004. So we feel like um, we're a little behind that curve, and we just want to repaint the building, give it a little facelift. It's a beautiful place right now, but it's going to get even more beautiful. And last week, we showed you some pictures of what it could be looking like. Again, these are just renderings, so it's like a rough um, picture of what it could look like. But let's pull up one of the renderings from last week. So this is the atrium area. Right out there, you get your coffee. Um, no, we are not going to get all white furniture. Don't worry, okay? Like, we're, it's not going to be all white furniture where you spill your coffee on it and then you get kicked out of the church or something. Um, no. But I just want to honor two people really quick. Jordan and Lisa, will you stand up back there? 
All right, so the, you guys can sit down. These guys have been working tirelessly um, just to help with this project. They're, Jordan's an architect, Lisa's an interior designer, and so they actually created this rendering for us, and they've been working hand-in-hand -hand with the whole project. Invaluable help, invaluable resources. We're blessed to have people like that here. But this week, what I want to focus on a little bit is renewing our city. So you remember the three focuses, updating our media, refreshing our church, and renewing our city through combating heroin. We, um, we've seen something, something powerful has been happening, something powerful has been happening in our city the past couple of years around heroin overdoses. And that is the, the, the ridiculous reduction in overdoses that has been occurring. This is due in large part to a, um, an effort called the Quick Response Team. In just a moment, we're gonna watch an interview that I did with one of the founders of the Quick Response Team. The other founder, his name is Dan Malloy. He used to be the Corain chief of police. And the guy I interviewed, his name is Will Mueller. He is the Corain um, assistant fire chief. And so I sat down with him a couple weeks ago and we really, we filmed like more than 40 minutes of content of him and I talking about um, the quick response team and what it does and how it's impacted our city and our community. But we boiled it down to like five minutes. So we're gonna be releasing other um, other videos and stuff, just so you can hear about what, what's happening. It's a really hope-filled message, all right? And we just wanna get behind the quick response team. So the offering we take next week, 10% of that is gonna go towards efforts that are combating heroin in our city, all right? Um, but right now, tune into this video by Will Mueller um, and me talking about the quick response team. Will, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, everyone, this is my friend, Will Mueller. He's the assistant fire chief in Coleraine, but I'm not gonna introduce him anymore. I just wanna let you uh, tell us about yourself. So as you stated, my name is Will Mueller, assistant fire chief with Coleraine Township Fire Department. Um, I've been with the fire department for almost 25 years, uh, but not only that, uh, I'm a born and bred Coleraineian. So I graduated from Coleraine High School awesome. in 1990. And so this has been my community my entire life. This is a great opportunity to just educate some people. What was some of the basic, you said education is a huge piece to combating the opioid epidemic. Well, first of all, we really need to understand what addiction is, and um, it's a very debatable and a hot topic in terms of it being a disease. Um, addiction takes over portions of our brain that deal with reasoning, mm -hmm. and when people don't understand why somebody would sell their kids for heroin, why somebody would harm their child for heroin, why somebody would lose their job for heroin, they're not, we're not supposed to understand that mm. because we're approaching this from good deductive reasoning. Gotcha. That element is taken away by the addiction itself. People um, have surgeries, they get placed on pain medication, um, they're taking the pain medication as prescribed by their physician. Several weeks later, they can't really live without it. So really understanding that, that a lot of these individuals who are suffering from substance use disorder didn't make any bad choices in life. They were following orders, well, in a sense. Last week when we were having coffee, you said that 25 years ago, you never would have guessed um, you'd be doing regular heroin overdose runs. Tell me more about that. Sure. Uh, I got in the fire service 25 years ago. Um, if we experienced a heroin overdose, an opiate overdose, um, we talked about it for weeks because it was just that rare. Wow. Um, if you would have told me that, hey, in 20 plus years from now, you're gonna experience an epidemic of mass proportions, and as a resolve, you're gonna be riding in a car with a police officer, or your personnel are gonna be riding along 
in the car with a police officer and an addiction counselor, and you're going to be knocking on doors of those that overdosed, I, I would have told you that you were crazy. I'm like, you know, we see one every, you know, once every six, seven months or whatever. Wow. Um, so the tide has, has really changed. And the and what we see, and, and this is no secret, that the threshold for the the type and the strength of drugs that are being used now have just increased mm. to, to, to really scary proportions. So when we were first approached um, about the issue, uh, we were approached by uh, the mother of a UC student um, who was an engineering program, straight A's through high school, got mixed in with the wrong crowd at college, um, tried heroin one time as a as a peer in a peer, peer pressure situation, um, became unconscious, overdosed, and was revived by Narcan, wow. um, and became addicted after that one-time use. Um, so she went on a campaign trying to get people on board and get people behind her to help bring more programs to the Cincinnati area. We were one of the communities she reached out to because of how large Colerain was and the name Colerain that had been plastered everywhere mm. up to that point. So, um, so she reached out to us. Um, one of the statistics I've written down is that you ran some numbers back in 2014 and saw there had been a 150% increase. Is that right? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I ran our numbers and had seen that in 2011 we had 51 overdoses. In 2012 we had a little over 60 overdoses. And then 2013 and 14 we had 150, 160 overdoses. So we had a very stark increase. And wow. that was really, uh, that really told the, the, the story in Colerain and really painted a picture for me um, that we needed to act. So those are some of the statistics we hate to hear. Tell us some of the ones, some, about some of the success now. Right. We have conducted well over 400 follow-ups to individuals who had overdosed. Um, we have made face-to-face -face contact with approximately 75% of those that we go out to find. And of that 75%, roughly 80% of those have gotten into treatment. Wow. In 2018, we, the first half of the year, we saw a 62% decrease wow. in, in overdose responses. And then by the end of the year, by the time the end of the year finished up, we ended up with about a 40% decrease in wow. overdose responses. And so far, for the first part of 2019, we're on a 50% reduction from the same time last year. As an insider, as someone that really understands the situation, how can we be praying? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, we need to be praying for those individuals who are suffering with the disease. It's not as simple as saying, I don't want to do this anymore for a lot of people. We need to pray for the families that are um, either left to pick up the pieces or those that are currently in the heat of the battle trying to get their loved ones recovery resources. I just want to say this really quick. Thank you. We really appreciate it for you and Dan and everyone else involved. Just to recapture some of those statistics for people to register them, 2013 and 14, you saw about a 150% increase in overdoses. Yes. Um, fast forward to 2018 is when you really started to see some huge, some huge results. About a 60% decrease first half of the year, ended at about 40%. Yes. And now in 2019, we're at about 50%. 50%. Awesome. Wow. Praise God. I felt like I heard Jesus say earlier, I am responding to the heroin epidemic. It, it is not a problem too big for me. 
and then I feel like I just heard him say this service, I'm undoing what the devil has tried to do in your city. <laughs> so receive that word. Come on. <clears throat> so again, 10% of what we raise is going to the QRT. Literally, that $30,000 is going to result in dozens, if not hundreds, of people's lives saved from addiction and death. So we're so excited to give there. I want to get into some practicals now about how the giving is going to go. And I want to say, if this is your very first time, if you're a visitor, feel free to check out or play a game on your phone if you want, or listen. It'll probably be, hopefully it's interesting. But for those of us that call this place home, I would love for you to grab right now an envelope that says Fresh Campaign on it out of the seat back in front of you. Just grab that real quick. This is going to be the envelope that we use to give next week, and we really want to ask you to take this envelope home with you, okay? Everyone look at your envelope and say, you are my envelope. <laughs> take, take your envelope. Don't, don't leave your envelope here. Take your envelope home with you as you prepare to give. And I want to now share about, real quick, just how we are preparing our hearts to give. So, <clears throat> first, we are... And these are kind of just truths that we feel like are going to help remind us why we're doing this. That it's not just a campaign, but there's a real reason for why we're doing this. So first and foremost, we want to acknowledge that God is the owner of all that we have, and we are his stewards. It's not 10% his. 100% of our money is God's. And he has assigned us to be a wise, responsible steward of his money for his purposes to advance his kingdom. And so I want to encourage you, like sometimes the enemy can come in, sometimes we can get those doubts and those fears of, well, I need to protect my money because of, and God's like, hey, it's not your money, it's my money. I will take care of you. Secondly, this was kind of funny, but we want to acknowledge that we actually want to give sacrificially. You know, sometimes I don't want to give. Sometimes I want to keep my money and buy chips or go out somewhere or whatever, you know. But truth is, the renewed me, the one that Jesus killed on the cross and then made a new creation, is generous and loves to give sacrificially for what God is doing. And so let's remind ourselves of that truth. Third, we just want to ask God what he wants us to give and then obey. It's pretty simple. We're not all going to give the same amount, and that's okay. What's um, important, though, is that we take time to hear what he's saying and then follow through with what he's doing. So some practical ways that you can give. We'll do cash or check gifts like usual. We'll mark them Fresh Campaign. You can give through the app on the Fresh Campaign line. If you are used to giving through the app, you'll notice there's like General Fund, Missions, some others, and you can scroll down to Fresh Campaign, select that. You can give stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Call our church office for details on how to do that. Personal property, land, jewelry, cars. You can give through your business. Plenty of ways that you can give. Next, I want to talk about what's a good idea of a practical amount that each person, if, if we all gave this much, then we would reach our goal. So here's just it really boiled down. If everyone in our church totaled up all the money they gave in January February and March, that total amount for those three months, and we all gave that next week in May, we would completely reach our goal. Now, I know that sounds intimidating, and maybe that's doable for some people, but maybe it isn't doable for others. But here's what I want to say. 
I don't want our focus to be on that. I want our focus to be on, God, what are you calling me to give? Because I really believe that if all of us ask him, and we all do, and we all give what he's calling us to give, then we are not only going to uh, reach our goal, but I believe we're going to exceed our goal. And so keep your focus there. Not, you know, God, what, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to my family? What are you calling us to give in support of the mission that's happening here? So I want to make this clear that we really hope to receive all 300000 next Sunday. Like at the end of second service, we're going to count up the money and then announce it. And what we're shooting for is like 300000 or more that Sunday. For others of you, you might hear a number from God though. And it's like, okay, I can give that, but I just don't know if it's realistic for me to give that all next week. Maybe it'll take you in um, giving into June and maybe even into July. We want to say that's okay. We're going to give you the, the ability to pledge money next week. So you can say, hey, I'm going to give this much right now. But over the next two months or three months, I'm going to pledge this amount per month to reach this total amount that I feel like God's calling me to give. We want to get all this money by the end of the summer in order to accomplish what we hope to accomplish with it, but feel free to pledge if you need to. So I'm just so excited about next week. I really believe that God is going to release something powerful through our church body in this um, sacrificial giving. You know, I really believe that more in the kingdom almost always comes at a sacrifice and paying a price. And let's all just join our hearts together. We're going to pay the price, whatever God's calling, time, energy, money, in order to see more of God in our city. So, Father, we ask for your grace and your favor and your anointing on the Fresh campaign. Thank you that it was your idea. It's not our idea. You are the leader of it. Would you speak to us? Would you calm any fears? Would you remind us that you're our providers? Would you give us the boldness to do exactly what you're saying, no more, no less? And thank you for what you're going to do in our city because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. Well, it's great to see you all here today. Uh, I, I know this, this next uh, 45 minutes, hour or so is going to be a real blessing to everyone here. Um, I'm here to introduce Robbie Dawkins. Robbie is a friend of this uh, church, a friend of mine personally, and family friend. And, and I would even say this, Robbie is one of the spiritual fathers of this house. Uh, he's had a huge impact upon uh, us over the years. And what we see God doing here is in very large part due to Robbie's influence and ministry and his obedience to the Lord. So as well as Robbie is a father to uh, one of our staff members. His son, Micah, is uh, here on staff. And by the end of the day, he will be father-in-law to one of our staff members, Jenna Freilich, who is going to become Jenna Dawkins today. <laughs> Micah, come, or, Robbie, come on up. All right, let's stand up and welcome Robbie Dawkins. Give it up for him. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Bless you. You guys are too kind. Um, feel free to have a seat. I'm going to ask Aaron to come up, and he's just going to share with you some stuff that we got back here before you before I get into what I have to share with you. Aaron Poole. All right. All right. Let me just share this real quick. If you have not read Robbie's latest book, Do Greater Things, we have it available back there. 
And just really quickly, it's just explaining uh, just the do greater things. It's inviting us into the, the greater things. When Jesus said that, there's healings in a mosque. There's wild things that are happening and the miraculous. So that's a great book. We also have Finger of God 2. Um, if you have not seen this movie, you have got to. It's the latest one out. There is uh, footage of when Robbie was in Afghanistan, and they're following him, and you're seeing people get healed and people get saved on the streets in Kabul, Afghanistan. That's back there, and if you have any questions, I'll be back there as well. And then let me introduce to you our latest thing. Right here, the true prosperity gospel. Woo! Yeah. Martyrdom and persecution. Come on. How many of us know that the closest place to the throne room of God is those that have lost their life and given their life for the sake of the gospel? Come on. Come on. Uh, we have this one right here. The one that I am wearing is, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. So this is the back of it. Turn up the risk. How many of us know that Cincinnati, we can turn it up, can't we? We can turn up the faith. Might as well wear a shirt while we're doing it. All right, last but not least, take a toll. Now, if you've heard Robbie speak before, if you've, or if you've read his first book, it's explaining on how we're no longer on the defensive side, but we can actually be on the offensive side of the cross, making the devil pay. If he touches us, comes after us, we come after him, and he, what he does to us, we make him pay times three by taking people, leading people to Jesus, seeing the miraculous. So we have a shirt that goes with that. Uh, and then last but not least, if you have a phone, could you just pull out your phone really quick? I know it's like Let's a do sin. do this quickly. Yeah, just, really quick. Yeah. And if you just want to go to Instagram or Facebook, go to Robbie Dawkins. Uh, we're, we're, I tell you that because, guys, we're posting so many testimonies, so many updates of where we're going, what we're doing. That is there just to inspire you to see testimonies saying, like, hey, we're doing it as well. Uh, and so we're also posting, we got a, a turkey trip, a team trip that's coming up. You can come on board and come along, and all of that information is on there for you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron. <clears throat> um, we, I was sharing with the first service, we get that, uh, with that take a toll. We, uh, how many of you know we're going after 1,000 people to bring them to Christ for, uh, for them killing 330 of our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka? Do you know that? How many of you didn't know that, that we're doing that? Raise your hand if you didn't know that. That's because that's on our social media. Those are, that's information that we put out. And so that's not something that we personally are doing. That's something you're doing. We want you to participate with us on that. We got we to gotta let the enemy know it's too costly for you to keep killing Christians in the world. It's going to cost you too much. Because everyone you take out, first of all, the gospel is going to spread even more. Because as Tertullian said, uh, uh, the, you know, the blood of the martyrs is a seed. And so taking a toll means don't just sit there and become the enemy's punching bag, but actually make him pay for attacks that he's done against you. I share that with you because that's kind of a little bit of what we're going to get into this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I love this campaign that you're on and that you're going into uh, starting next week. And I want to encourage you that I'm going to give you some things that are going to release something in your life and in you doing that that's going to release blessing over you. Growing up in Pentecostal charismatic circles, we would hear messages about, uh, you know, releasing God's blessings and releasing, you know, even finances and stuff like that. And I went through this phase where I was like, oh, that's just seeking money. That's just seeking, you know, all of this and, and sort of getting it in a monetary perspective or just from the, from, from, you know, sort of self-gain perspective. But 
But the Lord has been really speaking something to me of uh, uh, to understand from a different way, a different vantage point. Because the inheritance of Jesus is, the, is all the world coming back into relationship with him. Jesus is waiting on his inheritance. And that inheritance, and I'm going to share with you this morning how that is spelled out. That inheritance being brought to him is not something that is being released to him by the Father. But it is, it, it is the Father empowering you and I empowering you and I through the work that Christ has done for us to bring the inheritance back to Jesus. What's a picture of that? In case your mind is going, I don't know what he's talking about. Or what he's, if you look in Revelation, what does the father do? The father takes the, the crown, he puts it on the lamb. The lamb takes it and he puts it on the heads of the saints. The saints turn and they cast the crowns back at the feet of the one who sits on the throne. And you see sort of this dance of honor that is being of giving honor and releasing honor. And we are bringing the inheritance of Christ, which is winning the entire world if you're shooting just for your family to get saved you're shooting too low we need to be shooting for global transformation we need to be after complete global transformation transformation and seeing all of that all of that changed now I'm getting ahead of myself by even saying that let me back up you're like what are you talking about where are you going well you may be doing that a little bit today so let's do this first we we i always hate it when ministers do this but will you indulge me to do something that i even hate it when people ask me to do myself <laughs> just put your hand on your heart and just on your head and just say holy spirit help me to receive things i've never received today breakthrough confusion mindsets and false perspectives to be the person you've always intended me to be for your glory in Jesus name amen when I was a kid we had this uh, there was a company that was always doing uh, commercials I was growing up in Atlanta Georgia I, when we moved back from Japan we lived first in Dallas but, uh, but we, we moved uh, when I was, uh, by the time I was six years old to Atlanta. And we would watch these commercials and there was these commercials of this company called Unclaimed Freight. Does anybody remember hearing about that company? I don't know if it was in this area or just in the south, southeast. I thought it was all over the U.S. But it was Unclaimed Freight. And what would happen is people would send shipments to different areas uh, and they would, they, would, they would either come over boat, over a ship... It could be huge, massive containers, uh, shipping containers, or it could be literally luggage that had gone on planes that were unclaimed and baggage claims and different things like that. It could be this, from the smallest to the greatest, but they, they, it was called unclaimed freight. And this company, what they would do is they would make deals with these various shipping companies or airline companies to purchase any unclaimed freight. Because otherwise it would just sit in warehouses and take up space. And so if it was unclaimed for a certain amount of time, meaning the recipients either did not know a shipment was coming to them or did not realize it was for them or forgot about it or didn't somehow a message was missed. But it was waiting for them, but they never received it. And so this company would benefit from that by going and bidding pennies to the dollar of whatever the thing was. And they, sometimes there was great wealth in these containers that they got that nobody knew about. 
that even the recipients who had never realized that they didn't receive what was coming to them or whatever, you know, ended up happening. And so they, they would turn around and then sell this unclaimed freight, of course, at, you know, large markups, making lots of money when they had just paid pennies to the dollar as to what was coming, going in. And they were making a killing doing it, making a massive company doing it. There's unclaimed inheritances that are there for you and I that you're not even aware of or that you're slightly aware of but you've never seized hold of. There's things that God has for you. There are callings that are waiting on the earth for somebody to activate that are massive callings. That are massive giftings. Some people have, the enemy has, has stripped them away or distorted them. There was incredibly gifted. How, how many of you loved Whitney Houston's voice? I, I don't think there was a more pure voice on the planet than that of Whitney Houston. I, I'm a little biased. I mean, I just thought she was amazing. You know, she was hot too. And, you know, that, that went together well as a package. But however, my, let me get back to my point. My point is, is that that gift started off in the church. Let's start it off in the house of God. Now, I'm not saying recording some love songs is bad or evil or the Satan's work. I don't mean that. But it got so derailed to where this beautiful life, incredible gifting, incredible voice died way too early because Satan took her out. Came after her with those very opioids that we were talking about. And snuffed out of a life a voice that was meant to communicate the beauty and the holiness of almighty God was cut down because it was derailed and over years slipped into abuse and into all sorts of other things that stripped away this gift of God that was had. That's just one. I could go down the line with many, 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 many more. She's just one. There was at one point, uh, Time Magazine was interviewing uh, Billy Graham and they asked Billy Graham, they said, why did God call you? They said, you say God called you. And of course, they weren't really believing. And they're like, why do you think God called you? And he said, because many other people said no. He understood there was a calling that had been released to the earth that no one embraced, seized, grabbed a hold of, and ran with. And therefore, God comes and appeals to him because he's looking for somebody to respond to. Sometimes it's not you're waiting. We think we're waiting on God to come and to speak to us and give us a calling. How many of you know when the prophet is hearing the, 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 you know, the Godhead speak, whom shall we send and who will show, go for us? And the prophet replies. You know, when I was a kid, I would hear that as the prophet replying saying, here am I. <sighs> send me. I will go for you. I don't think that's how it was happening at all. I think he was like, hey, hey, I'll go, send me, let me go. I want to go, send me, send me, I'll go for you. We've become too stinking sophisticated and we've lost our barbaric hunger and drive to break out and say, God, here am I, use me. We've tried to come into this sort of package of understanding something that is lost at the cost of the desperation. That everyone around Bartimaeus is saying, shh, be quiet, you're embarrassing yourself and us. And he cries out louder and says, no, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Ha! How desperate are you? Sit there quietly, go ahead, I'll scream. 
Stay in your place. <laughs> there's, callings that have been, there's callings that have been in your bloodline. There are fathers and forefathers and mothers who were called to do incredible things in gifting. Moms who probably should have been in the medical industry who had cures for cancer but was cut short by maybe someone who stifled them or stopped them and said, no, 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 women don't do that. That's Satan stealing and robbing from the entire earth a blessing that was supposed to be released. Stealing an inheritance that belonged to you. And when I say inheritance, I'm just talking monetary. It's a part of that too. But I'm talking about what was meant to be released throughout generations. It's been cut short because he's working to derail it and rob it just as he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Just as he did with them. There's things, that, visitations of, of angelic visitations. There's commissionings to go and to see nations transformed that are there for you. And we could sit back and go, oh, but I don't feel that particular thing. Or I don't, I've never felt that particular. No, 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 no. I don't care about what you feel. Your feelings will lie to you. We're talking about knowing what you know by the spirit of God. Not by how you feel in the moment. Or by your shortcomings. We can see how God can use even, even ungodly rulers of nations to accomplish and achieve his will, even though they are not in the purest vessels or purest forms. Why? Because he's God, and if they embrace the truth of righteousness, he will use them to change that nation, even though they may not be the most perfect being or perfect person or perfect one. You're sitting there thinking, oh, which political party are you a part of? I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about embracing the work of God that is to be accomplished on the earth. Romans 11, 29 through 33 says this, For God's gift and callings are never withdrawn. God doesn't withdraw a gift and calling. If it's been abandoned or walked away from, it sits there waiting for somebody else to pick it up and run with it. To pick it up and run with it. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. What is he saying? They had an inheritance that they abandoned and was left sitting there, and we have now been given the opportunity to pick it up and go do it. To spread his fame throughout the entire earth. We pray for them to re-embrace and their eyes to be open to the truth of Jesus as the Messiah. And to embrace and join the cause as well. It says, oh how great, verse 33, are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. It's saying God has this wisdom, riches, and that is just waiting there. It's an inheritance that is waiting there to be picked up, run with, to be accomplished and achieved. But how do we respond to it? Many of us have many unclaimed inheritances. There's things that were given to you. There may have even been natural inheritances of land or even money or stuff that was stolen away somehow or deceived or, or ripped off or somebody was uh, duped into believing something that was false and it was, it was taken away. Well, the Lord's saying you can reclaim that inheritance. Why? Because God is the source of all that. But there's a prerequisite. If you want to be a recipient of that, you've got to act on it within harmony of what his will is and his purpose is. There's an inheritance Jesus has, and that's, you know, six billion people on the planet coming into relationship with him. Does this make sense? 
Six billion people, that's that we, so if our objective is for Jesus to receive his inheritance and using whatever inheritance we have to accomplish his achieving his, then our blessings, our storehouses will be full. Blessings will be released to you. But if your objective is just to receive for yourself and self-gain or self-promotion or, or receiving, if your objective is just to build your own ministry and not his ministry, yours will never fulfill its, its purpose and to the vastness of what it's supposed to. Because we're focused on what we get rather than what he gets. This is why we tell people who need healing, go out and pray for people who need healing. But wait a minute, I need my healing. No, you're focused on you. Get the power outward focused and you'll be the recipient of it. Are you hearing me? Is it speaking to you? I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste your time. Because there's something that is unlocking it. And honestly, I don't even care if you don't hear it. Because when you speak something like this, something's released in the atmosphere that gets birthed and it just germinates as it goes. Because we're talking about shifting a realm, not just shifting individuals. It's talking about shifting an entire realm. Isaiah 60, 1 through 5 says this. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine in you. Yeah, on you. As you. How are we able to shine? The only way you're able to shine is because he's shining on you. The only way that you're able to shine is for him to shine on you. But if you stop the shining because you're embarrassed of it or afraid of it, or you're going to be afraid of what it looks like, you are stopping and stifling the blessing that's to come into your life. Let me tell you something. You will never be able to contain the expression that the Holy Spirit brings. Because to do that would be to try to harness or control God. And for too long, religion and the church has tried to do that. and It's been the biggest mistake you could ever make. Never try to stifle or keep God in a box or try to harness him or keep him within a time frame. And by that I don't mean that when man's will is trying to impugn on others to say this is God and I'm the deciding factor of that. But to rather realize when God's moving we go with what God's doing and it doesn't matter what our agenda or our plan was. We're following that instead. In a time where this light rises and shines. It says darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. How many of you know that's true? There's darkness and blackness that covers the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. So how will they know the light? When you shine. When you release it. When you express it. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. And they will bring you the wealth of many lands. Is this saying that God cares about prospering his people? Yes he does. When our will it sinks up with his provision. When his will, sorry, sinks up with the provision that he gives to us. When all of a sudden we are working to achieve his will with what he's released to us. We're sitting there saying, Lord, we want more. I don't have enough to pay my bills. I don't have. Well, when all of a sudden we just stop and say, God, all this is yours. I don't know if he said it in, the, in, the, in this service, but in the first service, Luke says, you know, uh, 10% is just the starting point. Does God have everything? Or maybe it was Wilson. I don't remember which one of you said. I interchanged the two of them too much. 
the vastness of, of, of what God is, everything belonged to him. Well, if everything belongs to him, then we give it to him when, it, when he says that there's a need. And that means you're stopping and you're praying and saying, Lord, what do I do here? What do I do with this? What do I do with that? How do, how do you want me to place this? Now, as the starting point, we always, with the 10% that we have, it comes to where we attend. It comes to the storehouse. It comes to the local church. But even above that, Lord, where do you want me to give this? Where do you want me to sow here, sow there? So many times we've been in places where, you know, we've had uh, struggles, you know, in, in finances and struggles in financial needs. And at that point in time, we, the Lord would ask us to give something beyond ourselves. Angie and I, the first house we ever bought, you got to realize, I was a youth pastor. I was, I was making $200 a week. I mean, we were barely getting by. I mean, we actually were on like food stamps at that time and stuff like that. I mean, we, we didn't have much. We needed help in it. And, we, and we, we, how we got this house God literally only knows. God literally only knows. We were only in it for a few months. And then the Lord began to speak to us about moving to another city and taking a position at another church as youth pastors. And we were like, Lord, make it clear, make it clear. God spoke to our pastor we were at and said, you're supposed to move over there to that church over in that state. And I mean, clearly laid out what was supposed to happen. God spoke to him in a dream and told him, said, you're, you know, let him go. That's what you're supposed to do. We were like, Lord, you gave us this house. What do we do with this house? And the Lord spoke to us and said, give it to Manuel and his wife. It was a Cuban refugee couple who were living in slums. And he said, give it to them. Turn everything over to them. Now, we couldn't pay the mortgage for it, but we could sign it over. Our lawyer was like, you are the stupidest people on the planet. They said, you're not only giving all the equity that you worked so hard to give, you're paying his closing costs, and the Lord spoke to us to pay two months of the mortgage afterwards to make sure they were in no burden. But I can tell you over and over and over again how God miraculously has provided homes for us. And each time we should have never gotten them. Why? Because God, it boils down, it's a deep revelation, it's going to take somebody a little bit to get it, just hang on, just, God's smarter than we are. <laughs> when David said your ways are higher than I, he's saying you're smarter than I am. <laughs> But there was blessing to be released. But we couldn't release it until we obeyed and said, Lord, everything we have is yours. Everything. Everything we have belongs to you. It's yours. That moved from houses to our lives. Going to crazy countries, going to crazy places, standing at gunpoint, nearly being killed. You know, all of that and just going, Lord, it's just all yours. Hanging on to it would be foolish. Because it would limit the blessing of what you have to go beyond, so far beyond anything we can imagine. Heaven has a different economy, my friends. Heaven has its own economy. Heaven has its own economy. And the story to illustrate that is there's a man, I'd encourage you to look him up on Wikipedia and study what happened with him. His name is R.G. Laterno. R.G., my father used to love to preach and uh, share the story of R.G. Letourneau. He made these big, massive tires back when they couldn't figure out how tires could be put on these big earth-moving equipment. They had had them just the metal traction, you know, ones, or had them look like, you know, the, the train uh, tires or the, you know, caterpillar movers things. And, but he had figured out, God had given him in a dream how to 
produce these tires to where they could have, nobody else had been able to do it. No one. And so he made these tires and all of a sudden immense wealth began to come into him. After a year of this, he looked at his wife and says, we've been giving 10% of our income, but we have so much income. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's ridiculous. We need to do more. And they prayed and they said, well, we're going to give 20% next year. Next year, they gave 20% of all their income. Came to the end of the year, and he's like, we have so crazy, so much crazy money, we need to do more. They said, let's give another 10%. Every year, they kept upping it till the end. Before it was over, R.G. Letourneau was living off of 10% and giving 90% of his entire income to the work and to the purposes of God. He built multiple Bible colleges, sent out tens of thousands of missionaries all over the world, singly financed by him, to cover the entire, I mean, to spread the gospel all over the world. Tocoa Falls College in, in, in Georgia was built by R.G. Letourneau. And God blessed this family. To this day, they, are, they, they, they abound in such crazy great blessings. Why? Because one man decided he was going to work off the economy of God rather than what was natural to himself. And when he died, he still, even the 10% he was living off of, still ranked him with just that 10% as one of the top 10 most wealthiest in the entire nation. And only that 10%. It's so true. R.G. Letourneau coined the phrase the very first time, you cannot outgive God. It's the first person that recorded that ever said, made that statement. We have to realize when our will, when, the, when we, we see the talents, the finances, the callings, the commissioning, the moves of God that are in sync with the Father's heart, his plan, and it's his plan to spread the fame of Jesus all over the world. All of a sudden, what we have begins to prosper. Because that was the purpose of all those things that have been originally given. It's not just for our personal benefit ourselves, and of course he allows us to, it to bless us. I love the story of my friend Sean Boltz who tells how that one time God spoke to a, a little seven-year-old boy where he's staying in his house speaking at this church. And, and the, he said, God's, God's going to give you a little seven-year-old boy. He says, I had a dream last night that God gave you a Rolex watch. And he turned to his mom and he says, Mom, what's a Rolex watch? The little boy who had the dream. And he says, I, I clearly saw it had Rolex and it had a gold crown on it, which is the emblem on a Rolex watch. And he said, because God is going to tell you, God is going to give you the ability to tell new time. And he said, that's what Jesus told me to tell you in the dream. A few weeks after that, a church that, where Sean was speaking at, came and approached him and said, hey, what are we supposed to do with this watch that came in? And he goes, what watch? He didn't know about any watch. They said, somebody put a brand new Rolex watch in it. And it's like one of the best Rolex watches they make. And he said, you know, they were like, we're not sure what to do. And they said, we just feel because it was given in the offering, it's supposed to go to you. And he takes the Rolex watch and he says, wow, this is like one of the highest, most expensive watches. And so he goes back with his team and they discussed about going and selling it to get the money to use for ministry. And he was, as he was going to this place where he was negotiating the deal, the Lord spoke to him and said, would you, would you sell a gift your mother gave to you? And he goes, well, no, Lord, I wouldn't want to offend her. And he said, then don't offend me. He said, wear the watch and tell the new time. <laughs> now, 
Sean and I talked about that, and I was sitting there going, dude, that honestly is my book, because so many times I'm like, well, if somebody gave me this, I'd sell it and use it for this. And he goes, you better pray about that first. And I was like, you're right, man. After hearing that story, I'm like, you're right. If all we have belongs to God, maybe we're supposed to be stopping saying, Lord, what do you want me to do before we just think we know better? There's inheritances for you to receive. But if we receive them too quickly, we may not do what God wants to give them to us for. And so they're withheld or they're unclaimed. And he's calling us to reclaim them. There are mighty moves of God that were abandoned because people squabbled and fought over how they were to be managed or to be run or how they were to be handled. And we stop and we see that those many mighty moves of God ended up being, or gifts and talents were stolen and tarnished and then not, not effectively used for the full potential. They're unclaimed. Are we going to claim them? Are we going to reclaim them? Are we going to say, wait a minute, that, that inheritance belongs to us. That encounter belongs to us. My city needs that type of outpouring. I want to regrip that. Isaiah 49, 8 in the King James says, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. So it's saying right there in that passage, there are heritages and inheritance that are desolate, that have been abandoned, that need to be reclaimed. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to respond to that? Are we going to reclaim them? Are we going to step into them? Are we going to react? And you can stop and say, man, I would love to sing like Whitney, but I don't know how. People hate listening to my voice. I remember I was in, a Dominic, in the Dominican Republic and there was a young man that was sitting on the front row and it was in this church that didn't even have walls around it. It was just a metal roof and it was hot and I was sweating every night. And I looked and there was only about 65, it was many years ago, about 65 people. And I looked at this young man and I said, uh, he was about 14 years old and I said, do you play the guitar? And he said, no. I said, I see you playing the guitar and I see you writing songs. And I said, this beautiful voice is belting out these incredible songs. That are going. And his pastor was sitting a few rows down and he was putting his hand over his mouth, shaking his head because he's like, that boy can't sing at all. And if he did, nobody would want to listen to it. It's so bad. The pastor came and told me later, he can't even play the radio. I mean, he's just bad. And I said, I see you writing songs that the entire nation is going to sing. And they were like, dude, he missed it there. <laughs> Six years later, I was preaching in that church. That guy was just attending this particular meeting. Six years later, and, and the guy up leading worship, I, mean, I was just weeping in the power and the presence of God that was coming out in worship. And the pastor snudged me and he goes, you recognize that guy? I said, No. I mean, six years later, he was 14 at the time. He says, he says, that's the boy that you prophesied to. He goes, listen to those pipes. Listen to his voice. He says, he writes songs now that go out over the radio and that are put on television that go all over, not just here in the Dominican Republic, but all over Latin America. And it, I was like, wow, why? Because it was something, see, nobody else believed the word but the boy. 
The boy believed, grabbed a hold of it, began to pray into it. Father, you said. I don't care what I have. I know what you said. I believe that word Robbie gave was from you. And I am saying that over my life, you said this, and I'm going to live that out. I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. And he's an incredible, why? Because it doesn't just come to you and drop in your lap. You have to activate what is inactive in order to see it to come to flourishment. Does this make sense? In 1979 and 1980, there's a debate as to whether or not this great visitation that came that birthed the vineyard had happened in that particular time. People are just debating whether it was 79 or 1980. If it was 79, we are at the 40th anniversary of that this morning. In Mother's Day 1979 or 1980, Lonnie Frisbee came into John Wimber's church. He had been at Calvary Chapel, which launched, Lonnie, in my perspective, was the launch of the Jesus movement. He was the spark that ignited that movement. Anything you see in revival history, all points back to that with Lonnie. That means that, you know, great ministries that you see today, the Vineyard, Bethel, Toronto, on and on, Brownsville, on and on I could go of these uh, uh, Iris ministries. All of those would have come out of that encounter in that Mother's Day. They all came from that. And yet, at one point, it got cut short. Later with the Toronto blessing that was birthed in 1994, there was division over how to manage it, how to handle it. There was a separation that occurred to, to, to the shock, I believe, in a, even in the spirit world. I really believe that. And it shortcutted a great move of God that was an inheritance for you and I to bask in, and yet we were robbed of it. But it sits there waiting for us to reclaim it. That that was birthed in that Mother's Day is here for you to reclaim. And will we do it? Will we say, no, God, this was for us and it is ours and we are walking in it. We are launching and we won't settle for anything else. You see, that's how you grab something that God calls you to. You don't just say, well, Lord, if you want to. Lord, if you choose to, no, you say, here, here am I, send me, I will go for you. When Wilson and I were heading to Pakistan, our church was, we prayed for us at the upper room, and they called us up, and our, one of our pastors is David Kelly, he's the sweetest guy on the planet. Amazing, amazing guy. And he goes, I know you go with fear and trembling. I looked over at Wilson and Aaron. I'm like, fear and trembling? No, we are ecstatic little children. We are screaming and jumping up and down going, yay, we get to go to one of the most violent nations on the planet to preach the gospel and to make Jesus famous and see some of the craziest miracles and watch Wilson raise some guy up who was completely paralyzed. And watch Aaron pray for a guy that jumps out of his deathbed. You don't do that without taking risks, my friends. You don't do that sitting in the lounge chair at home. Or hoarding money that should be given to breaking the opioid crisis in this community. Thousands were impacted. And tens of thousands by these great revivals. When millions should have been impacted. Millions should have been impacted. They were cut short. Many times many great men and women of God. This even happened in my very own family. I look at my mother. She died before she was 60 years old. My mother should have been somebody going to this day. Everything I'm doing. I live my mother and father's dreams for their own lives. 
The enemy came after her and that was cut short against her. Not, not because of sin or issues of that, because of health. But with my father, it was an issue of sin. He would stand here and tell you that to this day he himself, because he wants to expose the lie of the enemy over everybody else's life. He's not ashamed of it because he sees the redemptive power of God. And everybody in our family says, you're living your father and mother's dream. You're living their dream. Because I picked up the baton and said, no, I'm not allowing that inheritance to lie dormant. I'm not allowing it to lie there and turn around and get sucked up in my own bitterness or pain of their struggles or their being cut down and go, oh God, you took mama home too early. God didn't take mama home. Satan tried to come and take her out. How do I make him pay? By standing in front of you right now. Sorry, I get a little jacked up. Some of you have come up to me and gone, are you mad when you're preaching? I'm not mad. I'm passionate. Understand the difference. <laughs> when all of a sudden things get cut short because man also, either sin can cut it short or health or death or all that could cut it short. Or when man all of a sudden starts putting his control over what's God's. You're never allowed to possess what's the Holy Spirit's. You're never allowed to possess it. You're only allowed to bless it and say, more, Lord. Let it come. Let it just... Uh, my friend Corey Russell, he said this, my friend Corey Russell preached a message where he's, he was telling everybody, he says, stop being embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. Stop treating him like the drunk uncle at Christmas. <laughs> oh yeah, he's going to come mess up Christmas, but don't treat him like the drunk uncle who messes up Christmas. Let him mess up Christmas. It's his anyway. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hebrews eleven thirty nine through 40 says, All these people earned a great reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. There was more. They received a great reputation and they experienced some great stuff, but they didn't receive all that was promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach the perfection without us. There's so much more that we have. This is telling us some really important things and that the people of God in the past earned a great reputation yet not received that all because that was, it was for all of us to share in. And that means, guess what that means? If they didn't take it all, then that means there's more for us to take. There's more for us to receive. There's more that God is calling to. Matthew 16, 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth, he's speaking to Peter here, will be forbidden in earth, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I have seen this in nature. I have seen it with earthquakes. I have seen it in, 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 in lightning bolts flashing through the sky. I was in Chile and I had given a prophetic word where uh, I dropped into a trance and in this trance I saw the map of Chile and I saw this little fire spark and all of a sudden it began to shoot these little sparks that began to turn into fire wheels all over that nation and there were these fire wheels all over the nation. Within two weeks the pastor of that church, Roger Cunningham of that vineyard church there, he sent me a picture that he had taken off of CNN's uh, weather map and it showed that very picture of all these fires that were sparked all over Chile. 
And yet in all those fires, nobody perished, but they couldn't understand where they originated or how they, they, they said, all these fires have sparked from one fire. And I told him, I said, that's going to be fulfilled in 2015. I said, mark my word, there's going to be a, a, a release of something in the spirit. We went to do this thing called Encienda, which means ignite. And we were at Encienda. Because of that, they only start, started that because of that, uh, that, that trance, that vision that I had in that trance. And while we were there, we pre I preached and, and invited the Holy Spirit to come. And there were many young people from all various types of faith that, that didn't believe signs and wonders were for today. And I said, you mark my word, God is going to demonstrate both in the earth and in the sky his dominion power to say the fire has ignited. That very night, a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the young people refused to leave the field till the, the keepers of the campground forced them off the field where the meetings were at 3.30 in the morning. And when they forced them to stop singing and to stop, because they were just worshiping, worshiping for hours and hours as they laid on the ground, knocked out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when they made them stop, all of a sudden, a lightning storm rolls up I got pictures of it on my phone and all these bizarre, one of them is of a lion, a lightning strike that is the silhouette of a lion. I, I wish I'd have thought to show it. I didn't know if I was going to tell the story. <laughs> was this lightning strike and it went on for over an hour. Electrical storms don't last that long. It went on for over an hour. One of them knocked me out of my bed. I was sleep locked because I'm an old guy. They were like a bunch of young people on that field. And I looked at my friend, I said, I guarantee you, the organizers of this meeting made those young people stop worshiping, and this is God's response. I said, mark my word, the rocks will cry out within minutes. I was dead asleep. I didn't even realize I said it. He remembers it well. Within, within I think it was about 30 minutes, a 4.5 earthquake hit on the Richter scale. The epicenter was right under that very camp. Why am I saying that? There's authority that is there to be released. That earthquake didn't cause any, 4.5 isn't, isn't big enough to cause a lot of damage or anything like that, but everybody felt the shaking, everybody felt it, and it was a powerful expression. There's authority that you don't even realize that we have. But if we would use that just to say, so that you know who I am as a great man of God, I guarantee you that's an abuse of that power. But when it's for the inheritance of Jesus, and to bring more people to him, a word, let me just close with this. I, man, I got so much more to share with you guys. I don't have time. <laughs> this is word Cindy Jacob gave to me as I, was, as I was laying on the floor. We went back to Toronto just last week. And CFAN was doing a conference there ta talking about, because they're, they're talking about recapturing the revivals that have either been diminished or been lost. Daniel Kalinda has a passion to do that. And we sat and he talked for me, to, with me for about an hour and a half explaining to me about that. And I was like, dude, that's a word brewing in my spirit. Something that our Lord's already started, which I'm sharing with you now. And then all of a sudden, as, as we're, so he said, well, with your testimony of what happened to you and Angie here in Toronto, he said, would you just start off the night? He said, Heidi was supposed to, but she's had to stay back in Mozambique because of the tornadoes. And I said, gladly. <laughs> And so we got up and shared and did a powerful ministry time. And then the next day, Cindy Jacobs got up, and I just met her briefly on the plane the day before. Cindy Jacobs got up, and she goes, Robbie, come up here. I want to prophesy to you. 
And I stepped up on the stage and she goes, here the Lord is saying to you. She doesn't know anything about our ministry. And she looks at me, she says, the Lord is asking you, will you bring a million souls to heaven for me from the Middle East? She said, will you bring a million souls? And man, it hit me hard. And she goes, today there's a transformation. I just had this conversation with Jeremy Riddle where I said, I don't really care about the stadium events. I want transformation through the nations by raising up the indigenous leaders to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit so that they win their own to bring them to Christ. I said, that's my goal. That's my, and then Cindy says, she goes, today you are shifting from churches and arenas to stadiums. And she goes, and it's going to go from, uh, from what has been thousands to millions. And, 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 I, and I'm sitting there thinking of the conference as I'm laying on the ground like shake and bake, you know. <laughs> She's, and I'm thinking about that conversation I just had with Jeremy Riddle. Well, I get up off the floor and I crawl my way over to where Sean was sitting. I was sitting by Sean Bolson. I crawl my way and I sit there with Sean. He grabs my leg and he goes, a million? Stadiums? He goes, dude, you will take nations. Nations. One more verse, just to punctuate this point. Revelations 2, 26 in the King James. To all who overcomes and who obey me to the very end. To the very end. I remember as a kid going, that means you never sin." And that's so hard to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fulfilling and capturing and running with what God speaks over your life. He says this to them. He's, in the message it says, who stays at it, refusing, refusing to give up on that calling, on that purpose, on that alignment. He says to them, I will give authority over what? All nations. Guys, stop dreaming too small. Stop dreaming within your limitations and start dreaming in God's abundance. To the place where it moves from a few to the all. God is speaking that to you and to recapture those inheritances. If you have kids, go get them now. They are your inheritance. Go retrieve them right now. He's, yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> go get your kids. You can bring them back in here if you need to, but go grab them. Because I don't want those guys to hate me, okay? <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. Some of you know there's callings that have been laid down. Maybe not by you, maybe by forefathers or foremothers or forebears that, that you're like, I need to recapture that which was lost. I need to reclaim that which was given away or that which was tarnished or stolen. Whether it even be in the natural. It may be lands and even finances. Or it may be callings and giftings. Maybe things that you were supposed to do that never were accomplished because all of a sudden the urgency of life or the tyranny of the urgent came and robbed that. But if that's you, if you feel that's you, I just want you to stand right now. You know what the power of intercession is? One of the most powerful things about intercession is making a declaration to see something fulfilled. And some of what you're reclaiming needs to be done, not just through prayer and declaration, but in action. You're like, well, I'm called to preach in stadiums. Guess where that starts? It's your job. With your neighbors. Well, I'm called to 
pack out arenas. Well, guess where that starts? That starts, you know, with the clerk at the grocery store. Or the guy who's taking your money at the gas station. That's how you reclaim it. You start there and the Lord goes, oh, I can trust them with more because they'll use it to bring Jesus his inheritance. Or finances that you've been waiting for. And he's like, oh, I have so much more, but I'm waiting for you to start where you're at. So I know that you're going to be going after Jesus' inheritance and not just your own. For your own benefit, but for his. You see, that's when our provision syncs up with his will. And that's when blessings are released. There's some of you that are still sitting where you're like, I don't even, I don't know of inheritances that were lost or stolen or gained or callings that weren't achieved. But there had to be somebody. But I'm just not aware of it. But I want to reclaim anything. That's there. Would you stand? I believe with all my heart, this church is to reclaim a revival that was laid down or walked away from. And when I say this church, I'm not talking about those few people in that front row. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. Will you reclaim that which was lost, that has been unclaimed? Will you stop and begin to contend and say, no, no, Lord, that belongs here. Don't find somebody else who you think will value it more. We value, no, here am I, here am I, send me, I'll go for you. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll look the fool if you look the king. I'll give it all up if you are glorified. I'll lay my life down if it brings a million to you. Receive that. Come, Holy Spirit. Come again. Not in this church alone. In every part of our lives. In every vineyard. In every church throughout the city. Let our desperation rise up so strong and overtake our fear of embarrassment that we don't care what we look like or how we're seen anymore. We just care about retrieving the inheritance of Jesus that belongs to him. Come Holy Spirit. Here we are. Fire of God, fall again. Ignite us. Ruin us. Make us undone. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. the Lord say as his prophet spoke to the king and said take these three arrows and strike the ground the king only struck a few times and the prophet said oh why didn't you strike ten or twenty or a hundred why did you only strike a few now you will only defeat your enemy those few times 
The Lord is speaking to the Northwest Vineyard and saying, strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Break the spirit of addiction. Break the spirit of poverty that has robbed this city. You were born to be a city of light. I saw my city robbed of the light. Aurora means city of lights. And it was a city of addiction and crime ridden by gang violence but we struck the ground again and again and again and again until we broke the grip of that hold on the enemy strike the ground if you're desperate for that outpouring of the spirit just come right here right now Glad you guys are here. Remind me of your names. You guys, remind me of your names. Remind me of your name. Say it loud. No, 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 no. I'm pointing at you right there. Yeah, remind me of your name. Say it again. Nico and Christina. The Lord spoke to me before. I saw you in a dream last night. God, I was like, I didn't see you guys this whole time. The Lord spoke to me and said, "There, it, listen to me carefully. There's an entrepreneurial gift on you. And you're going you're gonna to start businesses and things. The enemy's tried to cut that out early on, but you pay attention to your dreams and visions. God's going to release something into your hands because you are going to work for the inheritance of Jesus. It's what you were born for, Nico, and you know it. And it's going to release so much to so many other places. The Lord says, don't look at what you have right now. Don't look at that. You look at what I have. And you call that down. You call that which is not as though it were because it's, it's something on you. From this day forward, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. From this day forward, everything changes. The Spirit of God, just consume every part of their lives and let them always say what we have belongs to you and show us how to use it, Jesus, for your glory. Holy Spirit, fill us up right here, right now. My friends, this isn't about what you experience right here this morning. This is about a lifelong commitment to never quit. This is about a lifelong commitment to never give up, to never stop, to never stop continuing, to never stop pressing in. As they say at Bethel, to never change the subject. We will never change the subject of our pursuit. This is why the song that was inspired by the scripture where they cry out and for our inheritance give us the lost because it's the inheritance of Jesus give us the lost Jesus said ask and I'll give so Lord we say give us the nations Give us the nations, give us the nations, give us the nations, and we will never stop. We will never stop. We will never stop. <sighs> Fan again in this place, Holy Spirit. 
There is a release of angelic visitations that will come throughout this body, throughout you. Pay attention. They are all around you even now here this morning. But there are angelic visitations where you will see into the heavenly realms and you will see into places you've never seen before. And you will see in places and beings and, and things that you never dreamed were possible. But the Lord is going to show you the storehouses that have yet been released on the earth that you are to activate. Activate them and never stop pursuing them because it's not others will mistake it as something for self-promotion or self-gain. Don't worry about what they say. Worry about what the Father says. Worry about contending for what the Father has commissioned you to do. Be filled with that right now. Be filled with that right now. Be filled with that right now. Oh, we call for a great revival to break out over the Rhines. We call for a great revival and a great people to rise up and to grab an inheritance that's eternal. And to see a spirit of poverty broken and a spirit of, of lawlessness broken. That will shine like the sun. Arise and shine. They'll only see the light as you go. Because you're the reflection of him. Fill right now. Be filled right now. Be filled. Release it. Release it. Release it. Let it go. Some of you even by this stage or up at these steps need to strike them. with every strike. We declare breakthrough with every strike. We declare victory over the enemy. We declare with every strike a resurrection. With every strike a liberation. With every strike revival. 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 Oh, now let's celebrate what is to come. Let's celebrate what we're breaking through. Let's celebrate. Oh Lord, we just thank you. We celebrate the breakthrough. Whew. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Dan, I feel like you're supposed to pray something of release. I don't know what. I, I don't know. Just whatever the Lord, just to pray something of release. Is this a father of this house? I, I don't know what it is. I just, just whatever you feel, whatever you let it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I got a wedding to go to. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so I pray right now a release sure, of courage and a fighting spirit that won't let this go, that will not walk away and let this diminish, but that will grab hold of it. And no matter what comes against it, you will keep going. You won't quit. You will fight your way through it. You will hold on to it. You won't let the enemy take away from you what has been deposited today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that. And when you get tired, you're going to stand up and you're going to say, I'm doing this. 
when, you, when you're intimidated, you're going to say, I'm not going to be intimidated. I am not going to give in to fear. I am going to press in because God's giving me a fighting spirit. There's a fighting spirit that says nothing is going to take this away from me. Nothing is going to diminish this call and this impartation. I'm going to go after it no matter what. No matter what. Will, do you have anything? All right, all right, all right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's all, let's just shout and scream this out. You saw how uninhibited Robbie was up here, right? When he's saying, send me, send me, send me, okay? All right, let's do it. Ready, jump up and down, wave your arms, scream it. Send me! Yeah, Lord, that, we say this as a church body. And Lord, for all those here gathered here who are part of this church body, I just say right now, send us! Send us, Lord! We want to be in! And for everyone here from another church, you, whatever authority you have in your church body, call it out right now for that church body right now. Just call it out. Send my church, Lord, my church. Release it, Lord. Release it, Lord. Lord, make us hungry. Make us hungry for your word, to read your word and to gain not just information or knowledge, but to get revelation from you through your word, Father. Fill our hearts with hunger for that, that every day we're going to get fed by, by your spirit. Yeah, so Father, uh, just we just thank you for this time. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you that you do kick, you do kick things over. You, you mess things up because we get so stuck in our ways that we feel like we don't even need you because we're so stuck in the way we think it ought to happen. So we just welcome you in each of our lives. Just uh, you're, you're welcome to kick the bucket over. You are welcome to do that in our lives, Lord. And Father, I, I pray right now just for just a, a release right now of raw determination, just raw determination that is not going to fade. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, awesome to have you all here. Wasn't that good? Wow, wow. Thank you, Robbie, wherever you are. Yeah, good. So, um, we do this every week here, so we'll see you next week, okay? <laughs> <laughs>